Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Rumcast. Uh, I'm Will Hookinga, and on the other line, I have John Gulla. John, have you run out of rum at your house yet? <laughs> hey, Will. Um, no, thankfully, uh, I had plenty to spare uh, when this whole thing started, so I have not run out. In fact, I've uh, I've added a little bit more. Oh, you managed you managed to to get some new stock in. What's uh, what's what's gracing your shelves these days? I did. I couldn't pass this up. Okay. So I, it's well known that you know I'm I'm a little bit of a Foursquare fan. You you and, you. Um, and thousands of other <laughs> rum aficionados, right? Yeah, uh, for good reason. <laughs> and um, I, I happened to uh, find out uh, the stock in a store recently because a friend of mine had went by a store looking for something and asking me for a recommendation and took this picture. And in this picture, in this picture, Will, uh-huh. there is on the shelf Foursquare. 2005, which Ooh. I did not have. Oh. 2007, right next okay. to it. Probitas, right next to yeah. that. Premise, right next to that. 2004, next to that. Wow, some 2004 still in stock. Zincask yes, still in stock. And Zincask next to that. Wow. Now, I have Zincask already. Okay. I have 2007. I have Premise, but I didn't have 2004, or 2005. Okay. And Zincask is getting super rare. So I was like, you know what? <sighs> <laughs> gonna have to find a way to get get there and, and uh, uh get there safely so um the good news is i came home with a foursquare 2005 bottle and uh i am sipping that now and i must tell you it is delightful yeah i i have a bottle of the 2005 as well and that, that's probably my favorite of the ecs that i've that i've had so far um how how does that compare to the 2007 for you well, that's on my agenda for this weekend. Is okay. To do the the blind taste test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love doing those. I do too. And the, you know, putting putting the two thousand five, the two thousand seven, and the Zin cask and the premise, and I'm sure I'll guess those. Um, but I do want to just see where my opinions are without the bias of knowing uh, what it is. Right. To see. I, I do um, want to know. Taste, yeah. I, I want you to to write down the results of your blind comparison, and so we can we oh. can talk about whether you you nailed them all or not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I, I'm game for it. Uh, it sounds like a good, fun exercise. You know, I like the games anyway. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's get that done. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So what about you? Yeah. What about you, Will? What have you been uh, sipping on lately? Oh, uh, man, I've, I've I've been trying to uh, go back into the archives a little bit because I haven't added much new stuff uh, lately. Yeah. Although I did finally, the one time I went to a liquor store recently, I grabbed a bottle of Hamilton 151, which is Ooh. a rum that I've wanted to pick up for a while, you know, to, to use in, in cocktails. But I had a bottle of Lemonheart 151 that I bought mm-hmm. a while back ago. You know, a bottle of 151, if you're the only one drinking it and using it mostly in cocktails, should hopefully last you for yeah. a little while, <laughs> unless, you're, yeah. unless you want to have a really good time. <laughs> um, so I actually, I did the the blind comparison between Hamilton and Lemonheart and the, the one that I, the one that I preferred ended up being the Hamilton 151, which I think tends to be the consensus uh, uh, among most rum fans that I talk to when they come. Now is, is this Lemonheart the new, it's the new one. Okay. It's the new one, not the, what is it like the red dot one? Um, Yeah. There there was like a yellow uh, label one as well. No, it's the newest one. And what, what I've, what I've heard, uh, you know, when you read things, online is that ed hamilton's blend is uh, an attempt to recreate as faithfully as possible what 
the what the older lemon heart uh bottlings were like so yeah it's a great it's a great bottle to have uh there's actually there's this amazing cocktail that i found it's called a spaghetti western um it was in this cocktail book my sister gifted me a couple christmases ago called the southern foodways alliance guide to cocktails and Mm -hmm. it's uh it has mezcal uh uh, it, call, it calls for uh, Lemon Heart 151. I used the Hamilton 151 instead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Amaro, uh, which I use uh, Fernet Valet in this one, and okay. uh, Luxardo Maraschino Liqueur. And so it's right. it's like packs a wallop. There's a lot of booze in it, um, <laughs> and it sounds like it shouldn't work, but it's it's uh, it's beautiful. I love it. So um, try that out wow. uh, if, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds awesome. I don't have uh, some of the Amaro handy I would need to get to get that. But Yeah. You um, got to come up I, here. I, I you got to come up out. here when the quarantine is over, and uh, I'll make you uh, one. Absolutely. And I want to bring some of my treasures yeah. too, so we can, we can have a good party. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, we, we should talk about uh, our guest on this episode because I know it was of an course. interview that both of us enjoyed, um, yeah. which I know we say that a lot, but I mean, so far our guests are just, they're bringing the heat every time. Uh, it's great. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've had some wonderful guests and yeah. we had Kate Perry on for this episode. So Kate is the North American market manager for La Maison Velier. Um, you may yeah. recognize her from rum festivals, uh, from social media. Her, her handle is Win in Rum with an H. So um, Kate pops up uh, all over the place for good reason. Uh, she's extremely knowledgeable about uh, all things rum and also, you know, very plugged into everything that uh, La Maison Valier are doing right now. So yeah. it was... Uh, and she's... She's such a fun and easy person to talk to. Yeah, um, I, I did get to meet her at Miami Rum Congress a few months ago, um, and she was great then, and she was great in the interview, and I just think it was a really fun conversation. For sure. Um, so that's really uh, what I love about talking to some people in the rum community like Kate, is that uh, not only are they so knowledgeable, like you mentioned, about their products, but they're also just great people. Yeah, it's good and, people. Yeah, and that's, that's the awesome thing about this community. Yeah, and I mean, Kate was calling in all the way from south africa where she has been quarantined for several weeks now i think she mm-hmm. she talks about it in the interview um so i won't go through the whole story now but um yeah i mean we really dug into we went back to you know her time first getting into rum by opening uh rumba the 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 famous rum bar in seattle uh, the owner kind of brought her in from day one to help open that up we go from there mm-hmm. talking about to how she got started la maison of uh we even talk about a few upcoming releases from them that uh i know you and i actually weren't aware of so i don't want to spoil it now uh people yeah. get into it in the interview but uh, we also did a fun thing where we found an old interview kate had done where <laughs> someone had asked her to predict what rum would look like five years from now. And the interview was literally almost exactly five years ago from when we mm-hmm. did the interview. So uh, I, she was gracious enough to allow me to read her original prediction and then evaluate it now. So that was, I, I enjoyed that. That was fun. And uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. excited for people to hear it. Anything else stand out before we turn things over? Well, yeah, I think she's just really knowledgeable on the history of the companies for both La Maison and Velier and she was able to give us a lot of the structure of those companies and how they came together right. and what what makes them different as uh, I don't want to use the word independent bottler here because she likes the term dependent right, 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 bottler right, right. Yeah, until yeah. here. Uh, and why that is the case. And she does a great job of explaining all of that as well. So it's it's not only is it a fun interview, uh, but it's really informational as well. Exactly. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's head over there right now. All right. 
right, we're here with Kate Perry from La Maison and Velier. Uh, very excited to talk to Kate today. Uh, Kate, how, how are you right now? I know you have a lot, a busy day going on. Even right now, things have changed for you a little bit, as you were telling us. Uh, how, how is everything on your end and, and what is your what, what's on your calendar right now? Everything's good. Hey, guys, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, things are really good. I am... Um, Locked down in South Africa right now, uh, so I'm a little bit ahead of you. It's about 7.30 at night here. Um, I came out for my best friend's wedding, and then things uh, escalated quite quickly in the world. So um, it's definitely not a bad place to be uh, stuck. Um, That's good. Yeah, I saw some of those awesome moment. pictures. Yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful here. Um, the only problem is that I thought I'd be here for about a week and a half. And so I didn't bring any rum. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a big problem. <laughs> and I, I, ma- I imagine the market is quite different uh, over there. Yeah. Oh, man. I went, um, I went to the shop to see if I could grab a couple bottles. And I was so, so thankful to see um, some Appleton and some Mount Gay. Mm-hmm. And that was about all that was drinkable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was like, yes, I have some friends on the show. Um, but yeah, things just kind of escalated quickly. Um, and so I've been drinking a lot of really cool South African wine. Um, but I've been craving some rum. There's a really great rum distillery here called Mahoba. And yeah. I was really hoping to get up to uh, visit them and see what they do. But unfortunately, travel is impossible. And also, during our lockdown, um, alcohol sales are illegal. Oh, so wow. Everything is dry right now. <laughs> so everyone's making do with what they have. So it's a little bit wild, but things are good, you know, much, much worse places to be. It's absolutely beautiful here. Yeah. You just need Luca to like do an airdrop of uh, some stuff for you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I talked to my operations manager um, and said, hey, guys, uh, if you're thinking about opening South Africa, I'm, <laughs> Now's I'm a good here. time. <laughs> I've got some time and to kill down here. Happily yeah. take some meetings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm here. <laughs> Awesome. Well, on that note, so you are the North American market manager for La Maison Avelier, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I have the the pleasure and the privilege and the honor of representing um, La Maison Avelier. Yeah. So what, at at kind of a high level, what does that entail? What what does your day-to-day look like in that role? On a typical day, uh, (laughs) which this is certainly not... um, So I'm basically responsible for um, all of the super cool ranges and projects um, that we represent um, for uh, the U.S. market and hopefully a little bit outside that um, soon. But I basically open up new markets. So we launched in 2018 in January uh, with just New York. Uh, we opened California of in July of that year. And then 2019, we were up to seven markets and now we're about to be in 19 markets. 
So this spring, I was super, super busy, or this early spring, I was super busy um, opening new markets. And then my supposed plan for right now was to go and do all of the training and the education and the high fives and hugs and see all the bartenders <laughs> around. Um, I was so excited uh, to get to open a whole bunch of markets. Um, so that's a little bit on the back burner now, or yeah. it's a little bit more virtual now versus in person, which is a shame. But um, yeah, so I'm responsible for uh, managing the portfolio. I do, I kind of dabble in the, the import and uh, registration and all the not sexy stuff. Most of my life is on Excel. Uh, and then <laughs> I get to do the stuff that I love, which is talking about uh, rum for a living and getting to meet bartenders and retailers and sales reps and distributors all over the country and sharing these really, really cool projects. Awesome. And and speaking about that, what are like, I, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite places to go so far? And like, specifically, what places have you had a really good reaction from like local communities for rum appreciation? You know, it's really been everywhere, which is so exciting. Um, I got into rum back in 2011. And there was just so little on the US market that was available. Yeah even in the past couple of years, like that has just changed so much. So I remember being a bartender, just, you know, greedily packing as many European releases as I could into my suitcase mm -hmm. and being so jealous of everything that was available outside of America. And that's really, really changed, which is super exciting. So I think that the time to launch the element the book was really perfect where people were starting to kind of gather an awareness that there's more to rum than what was in the market before, that it's an incredibly diverse category and that there's really exciting stuff. Um, so everywhere that I've traveled, really, we've had such a warm welcome. People have been so excited. Um, if they knew about the book, you know, they showed up immediately, like so happy. And then if they had maybe heard about it, you know, I love pouring things like Claren for people for the first time where they're just minds are blown that yes, yeah. this is rum. And yes, it can taste like that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I, earlier when you were talking about, you know, uh, all, all sort of the, the markets uh, that you're opening up across the U.S. And John and I are both in the U.S. And, um, you know, one thing we talk we've talked a lot about a lot on the podcast is just how exciting it is that more of those releases or brands that, yeah. that you know, historically were mostly just seen in Europe. We're starting to see more and more of them now. So anytime. I, I hear you talking about opening up new markets. I just get more and more excited uh, because, you know, uh, I, I've had the experience of last time I was in New York City, like I ran down to Astor Wines and I was like, oh, I can all the, you know, Hampton releases and Velier releases like this is my time to get them. So knowing that they're uh, the, the plan is for them to be available at more and more places across the country. I can see why you're getting such a warm welcome everywhere you go, because uh, it's certainly yeah, exciting. Totally. I mean, everything in my book is just really um, beautiful, pure, authentic spirit with a purpose and a story. Yeah. And so I kind of get to play more of like a storyteller role than mm. any sort of like weird salesy role or anything like that. So it's super enjoyable for me. And the response has just been really great. What I sort of love the most is that you know, I never really wanted to come over to the brand side. Right. Um, it wasn't like, that's what I'm going to do. But I always said, if I'm going to do that, it's, it's Velier or nothing. Yeah. Um, 
because I never really wanted to work for like a specific uh, brand. I wanted to work for the category of rum and through the gaze of the bottlings that I really have the pleasure and honor of representing, I get to tell the story of rum. So I, I sort of get to be a little bit like Switzerland. Like we work with <laughs> Worthy Park, we work with Foursquare, we right. work with Hampton, we work with Privateer. Like we work with just some of these incredible um, distilleries and producers and humans and so my job is so fun because I sort of get to, you know, work adjacently to everybody. <laughs> yeah. And and we're, we're Velier and, and what you guys do is so unique. We're going to get into that in a little bit about just what makes it different from a lot of other companies out there. But, but I want to go back a little bit to you mentioned, you know, kind of when you first got into ROM uh, in, in 2011. And I know that was right around the time that you uh, were going to be opening up Rumba in Seattle. So I, you wrote an article for the Rum Reader, uh, may, maybe last year, or the year before, where you described this kind of three week rum crash course you took yourself on and I think you visited like Barbados, Martinique, Puerto Rico, uh, tons of places known for rum throughout the uh, Caribbean. I, I love, can you take us back to that time? I'm curious, like at what point did opening Rumba go from, I think this is a great opportunity to like, not only is this a great opportunity, I've now found out that I'm like totally in love with rum. Yeah, man, I remember it so clearly. I was uh, managing this uh, Spanish restaurant um, called Tango. Uh, Tango, rumba, get it, cute. And I was sitting up in the office, so I managed the wine program there. I was super into Sherry. I bartended, and I was the GM. Um, And I was kind of ready for something new, but I kept my foot in the door and I kept a couple shifts because my boss always said um, the next place that he opened, he wanted me to manage it. And we went through a lot of different projects uh, together where we like were basically signing contracts and something would fall through. And so when he walked up into the office and I was you know, doing paperwork or whatever, and he said, hey, I think that I found a new spot. I kind of took it with a grain of salt because this was maybe the sixth or seventh um, <laughs> rendition of a new spot that we'd gone right. through. And I'm like, okay, okay, what, what what are you thinking? And he said, well, you know, the, the shop that was in the um, first floor of the building um, next door was they vacated. So the space was available right next door um, to Tango. And he said, what do you think about opening a like a tropical rum bar? He really liked to drink rum. The rums that he really liked to drink I are very different than the rums that <laughs> I trained him to drink now. Uh-huh. Um, he was really into, um, you know, he, he really liked the brands that were available at the time. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, man, Travis, like, I don't know anything about rum, but yeah, let's do it. And Seattle, Washington is about as far away from the Caribbean as you can get. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> there wasn't like there wasn't a culture for rum. Um, there's a huge culture for rum a little bit south on the West Coast. You know, California is a great market for rum. Mm-hmm. There's some really great rum bars in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, the sort of tiki rum scene is inseparable on that coast. But there just wasn't anything at that time that was um, in Washington State. And so he really saw it being a, a niche corner to the market that didn't exist before. And me, like a lot of bartenders, 
it was just sort of my blind spot. I didn't know anything about rum and there wasn't a lot of information back in 2011. You know, I sort of was like, yeah, okay, boss, sounds like fun. <laughs> and he said, great, because I just signed the uh, paperwork for it. And I was like, oh, this is like really happening. <laughs> wow, <today."> yeah. <laughs> And so I, I went online and I started looking up tickets and he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm looking up tickets to the Caribbean because if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Let's do this. And he yeah. said, you know, no, no, you don't need to do that. Like brand reps will bring you bottles. You can taste stuff here. And he walked downstairs and I was like, mm, whatever. <laughs> uh, two minutes later, he came back up and he was like, Kate, I'm so sorry. Like I have a wife. I have two young kids. I can't go to the Caribbean. You should absolutely go there. The Caribbean, do it, go learn. And so I booked five, I booked four islands and it ended up being five. And I realized that like the sort of life hack in the Caribbean, because Caribbean people are so proud of their local spirit. You know, you show up on an island and they just drink uh, what's local and they want you mm -hmm. to enjoy it too. And so my life hack was uh, showing up on an island, renting a car, driving around and visiting all of the distilleries. And then when people would ask me, um, you know, hey, why are you in Barbados in the in the off season? I'd say, well, I heard that you guys make the best rum. And immediately, you know, yes, we do. Come with me. I'll show you how to drink it. <laughs> so I had the best time. I learned a lot. And I really um, kind of started to lose my, my heart to the rum world a little bit. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. When we opened, we had like 250 bottles on the back bar maybe um now i think they have well over 700 so it's wow. one of the amazing bigger selections in the country for sure it's still a really incredible bar if yeah. you guys go to seattle go visit it's amazing definitely yeah, I, I totally need to go. I, I briefly lived in Washington State when I was very young from ages seven to nine. Um, so I still yeah. have very fond memories of Seattle, but I've yet to, to go to Rumba. So a little young I've, for rum. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, but I have multiple reasons to get back to Seattle now. So it's definitely on my list. Um, so, so at what point in uh, working there, when did uh, Velier come into the picture and, and how did that opportunity you know, present itself? Well, I think that for me and for a lot of people that I've talked to, like you sort of get into rum and you realize that there's just so many different aspects and conversations and traditions and viewpoints and so much to talk about in right. rum, right? Um, you can talk about the cultures that it comes from, the raw material, the type mm -hmm. of distillation. Um, just there's so, so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I found that every sort of rabbit hole I would jump down, be it, you know, tropical versus continental aging, be it wild fermentation, be it what is Jamaica rum, what is a pot still, all of these things, I just kept ending up at the bottom of the rabbit hole and finding this word velier. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> and I also, started traveling as much as I could. Um, I've loved to travel since I was 12 years old was my first time out of the US and it's been an addiction of mine ever since. And so every time I would travel, I would pop into the local uh, spirit shop, see what they had. And if there was anything with this little word Valier on it, I would just shove as much as I could into my suitcase. <laughs> and so um, I totally didn't put it on my back bar because that would be super illegal. <laughs> of course not. Um, but no, of course. Um, <laughs> but the bar ended up having, you know, a really great selection of Valier because everything, everything that they 
did, I just found like it was the most inspiring stuff. It was like just so cool. It was so different than a lot of other stuff that I found. It was, you know, high proof, big flavors, um, old traditions. Like it was, it was really just the most inspiring liquid. And I remember um, I was standing behind the bar with my colleague at the time, Toshi, who was my favorite bartender. I love Toshi. And the phone or my email rang and I picked up my phone and I said, what is going on? And I got this email from Daniele Biondi and he said, ciao, Kate, we would um, like to invite you to come to Haiti to tour some Claren distilleries. Are you available? And I guess like my face went white and Toshi said, what just happened? And I said, it's Bellier, they want me to come to Haiti. And he said, Bellier, like your obsession, Bellier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, you're going right. And I said, yeah. And I think responded like, um, yeah, sounds good. Just send me the details. I'll, I'll make it work. <laughs> the, best, the best kind of emails to yeah, receive. You, I've, I've heard yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how they got my name. Um, but I'm very thrilled that they did uh, because I ended up in Haiti on a trip that had a lot of the Valier team on it and a lot of the Le Maison de Whiskey team on it. Um, so it was sort of like a trip for both of them as well as seven really incredible bartenders for Europe. Um, they do a Claren World Championship every year or CWC. And so I got to represent America kind of on the fly in uh, in this competition against uh, seven European bartenders after jeeping around Haiti for six days visiting distilleries. Um, it was just the best time. And so I told them, you know, I know that you have no plans to come to America, but if that ever changes, please let me know. And they said, actually, um, we're starting this new company called La Maison and Bellier that will be a joint project between both of us and we're going to launch in America. And I said, great, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, but I really wasn't looking uh, to work for a brand. It was just that it was it was value or nothing. And I remember um, writing an email to Luca just saying, you know, I, I come from a background of geography and anthropology. So I love people and I love places. And I emailed him just saying like, I'd never met a company that understood people and places through the sort of sight glass of rum like mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, I would be so honored to be able to help you guys and please hire me to manage North America. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, thankfully they said, okay, let's do it. Um, yeah. So I, I'm super, super, you know, honored and grateful and thrilled to wake up every day and get to talk about, you know, Claren and Hamden Estate and all of these really cool projects that we're involved in. Yeah. Sometimes things just work out, right? That just seems like yeah. good timing. Yeah. And you mentioned about the rich uh, traditions about these companies. And that was one thing that I had on the list to ask you about was both La Maison and Velier. They're companies that grew out of the, these two long histories, as you mentioned, and they came together and made this partnership. And I was just curious if you could delineate for us as listeners, which products and brands specifically fall under uh, La Maison and Velier and, and a little bit more about that, that relationship. Yeah, um, it's a little bit it's a little bit confusing, um, but 
it does make sense. So Le Maison de Whiskey is a importer, uh, distributor, and retailer because the three-tier system doesn't exist in France. Uh. So if you go into the retail shops of Le Maison de Whiskey, they have two in Paris, they have one in Singapore, and one in Reunion Island. And they are just the most beautiful uh, retail shops. They really treat bottles like precious gems, like they're all like backlit and just beautiful. So they also have sort of independent bottlings and projects uh, to highlight mostly European spirits. They're very strong in European spirits. They're very well known for their whiskey, which we don't have in the U.S., but they have long, long traditions and relationships um, with distilleries and European spirits. They were kind of known for being the first to export Japanese whiskey out of Japan, Mm. so they really started that craze. They you know, it had a lot to do with the Scotch whiskey craze. Um, they're kind of doubling down on cognac now, which is really exciting with our cognac range uh, through the grapevine. And then they do a very transparent range of um, independent bottled rum too, called Transcontinental, mm-hmm. where it tells you all of the information, where it was aged, for how long. So they got together with Velier which is Luca Gargano, you know, super passionate. They're a importer and distributor in uh, Italy, based in Genoa. And then they, they also do these sort of passion projects aimed to showcase kind of rum mostly in a, in a new limelight, really to kind of push the boundaries of where the world of rum is now into where we believe the world of rum should go. So they're really um, very personal, very inspired bottles, um, starting back with the old Demerara rums, um, the Carony rums. So they've been launching these sort of passion projects for several, several years now. Um, so both companies function as distributors and importers in their own markets. Mm-hmm. And then both companies have sort of these ranges of passion projects that um, they do especially. So I met, I'm, I represent the passion projects of both of these companies, plus this sort of uh, crazy Venn diagram of other things that we're involved in. So everything that we're involved in, we have either creative control, investment, or um, you know the privilege of representing globally. Um, so from Let Me Sunday Whiskey in the U.S., I have their cognac through the grapevine and their rum uh, transcontinental. Mm-hmm. From Valier, we have Habitation Valier, um, and we had some Carony. It's all sold out now. So that's a closed distillery from Trinidad. And then we also have the uh, the range of Claren. Um, we have a small company in Haiti called Spirit of Haiti. So we represent four different producers uh, that produce Claren, which is the local spirit of Haiti. Yeah. Um, so it's produced locally, consumed locally until um, the spirit of Haiti was founded. And that's the first time that the spirit has ever been for sale outside the borders of Haiti. So it's really wow. uh, kind of revolutionary and really exciting. Yeah. We have the global distribution of Hamden Estate, which is just the most magical uh, distillery in Trelawney, Jamaica. They've been producing rum since 1753, and they just started bottling under their own name back in 2019. So it's really, really exciting. Or 18 launched in the U.S. in 2019. So super exciting. We have a small brand of mezcal called Palenqueros, mm-hmm. where we started a small company in Oaxaca, and we were 
work with seven different producers there. We represent a really beautiful vermouth um, from Cuneo in Italy, vermouth to Torino called Mulasano, which is a 200-year-old recipe that uh, Bordiga has been producing for Cafe Mulasano. It's absolutely delicious. Um, that Bianco vermouth just sings. And then uh, we have a new project that should be launching hopefully this summer, but it might be a little bit delayed. Uh, Luca just started a new distillery with uh, Gianni Capavia, and it will be called Distillery de Port-au-Prince. It's not a Claren, it's a rum um, under the brand name Providence. So oh, wow. I'm really excited to see Providence in the U.S. Uh, as soon as it can get there. I don't know. ETAs are totally screwed up now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in due but course. In I've due heard. course, as we say. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So lots and lots of cool stuff. It's a really diverse uh, portfolio. We're definitely known for the rum, but we have some other cool projects as well. Everything kind of walks this line between um, real things made by real people uh, with, you know, the best raw material possible and then translated into its soul or its spirit through distillation. So there's a lot of kind of common threads. Yeah, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier in, you know, Valier kind of or, or LMV kind of having a unique relationship with the producers that you're releasing products with. I, I think it's often kind of lumped into the like independent bottler category, but but what you do is a lot different than what you see at other independent bottling companies. Um, there's there's more of that direct relationship, like you were saying. Can, can you explain that difference and, and why Valier chooses to do things that way? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a if it's a choice so much as just that this is the way that Luca sees that the world should be. You know, there's so many independent uh, bottlers on the market and really, you know, for a long time, if you wanted to taste uh, rum that didn't have sugar added to it or, you know, specific marks or specific years, uh, the independent bottler community really helped to raise the category of rum, especially in Europe, um, and make things that you just couldn't taste because they weren't bottled available for us, um, which is really cool. But there's also the conversation about the the value of that rum, right? Like if you are buying bulk rum off of a platform um, and aging it in Europe, that's different than a distillery aging rum in their point of origin and releasing it to the market under their own name. Right. I don't think really that one is better or worse. I kind of look at it like slow cooking a rum. You know, if you slow cook a pork shoulder for three days, it's going to be delicious. Mm -hmm. But if you throw something on a hot fire, it's also going to be delicious. These two things are just very different. Mm -hmm. And to be your authentic self, um, you should be aged, you should mature where you come from. If I was take, I, I grew up in Maine, right? So if I was taken out of Maine as a baby and I was brought to Cape Town, South Africa, where I am now, I would still be Cape Perry, but I would just be a very different Cape Perry than I am today. Mm-hmm, right. Not necessarily better or worse, but absolutely different. Because Luca started importing rum to Italy and really uh, introduced uh, the Italian market to the category of rum, um, he has 40 plus years of uh, networking and relationships with different distilleries in the Caribbean and around the world as well. So he has these really long relationships. So he's able to sort of be the only um, person who 
works directly with distilleries. Most other independent bottlers buy uh, their spirit off of a third-party brokerage in, um, based in the Netherlands with aging warehouses in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, super great company. They're amazing what uh, what they do. They have incredibly old stocks, but most other companies um, buy their rum off of this brokerage. So what Velier does a little bit differently is that um, their rums are co-created with distilleries. So I consider them a dependent bottler and not an independent bottler because the bottlings really depend on their relationship with different distilleries. Um, so everything is bought direct from distilleries. Um, they have a say in what happens, mm-hmm. um, what that looks like. They're aged at the point of origin um, in the area and the terroir and the atmosphere and conditions that the rum comes from, mm-hmm. um, which is super important. Right. And then they're bottled with no additives, um, no sugar, no coloring, no um, chemical alterants or flavoring. Um, so everything is just as as pure and as true to the history and the tradition of the distilleries as possible. So it's really cool. Um, it's really inspiring. It's very, very different than a lot of the approaches that I see. You know, it's just that's how Luca sees the world of rum and that's how he wants to push forward into the future. So it's, mm. it's absolutely wonderful. And the bottlings that we offer just, they're very unique. They're all different. Um, they're just kind of set a different tone than a lot of rum out there. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And in fact, my experience with La Maison and Vellier releases thus far is that they are all significant and or like special in some way. And with that in mind and, and you saying that, how does LMV determine when something is not just a good rum, but has that special something enough to really go after and to create that partnership with them? I mean, I think that... I, I can't speak for Luca because he makes decisions. Right. Um, you know, it's really Luca and Terry's company. Um, I just am super grateful that I get to work with all this really cool liquid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, in the case of the Valia Rums, like it's not it's not really a decision. It's really a lifestyle. I mean, I've had the privilege and joy of sharing meals with Luca before, and it's, you know, the best quality wine from the best producer, the best uh, shrimp that was caught out of the genuine sea that morning, the best fish, and the fish is cooked with no sauce or spices or things that hide Mm -hmm. the quality of the best quality of fish. So it's really a lifestyle of high quality raw material um, than it is a decision to work with um, these, you know, really incredible distilleries. It's these are the best, right. and so why would you mess with anything less than the best? Right. So it's like a commitment to that natural state being the best possible quality and delivering exactly. That to yeah, the and he really yeah. um, he really does this with every ounce of his being um, across the board, from you know coffee to gelato to fish to rum to <laughs> wine. Uh, his wine portfolio is absolutely incredible, and so. This is just the iteration into the spirits world uh, to showcase the best raw material, Mm. best practices in the tradition of where it comes from with, you know, the producer's name on the bottle because it belongs to them. So it's just a undeniable um, decision, not 
because it's a choice, but just because this is the way that the world should be. Um, and he really lives this with every ounce of his being, which I highly respect. Yeah, it sounds like anytime you're hanging around Luca, the, the meals and, and the drink are going to be excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's um, for sure. But you mentioned earlier about like in your role, being able to help tell all these really cool stories. And that that's one of the things that's always stood out to me about even just like when I see a, a, a bottle from an LMV release, like picking it up, I feel like I'm going to learn something about the producer. And I think that's really cool. And it's it's done almost in a way where it seems obvious in hindsight, but I think putting out products in that way is actually really hard to do. It's hard to like know how to present those stories in a way that feels natural and authentic. It like the the Palenqueros brand that you mentioned earlier, like on the bottle, it has like the, the picture of the producer right there. Um, it's 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 really unique and, and cool, something I've always appreciated. So there's so many like, uh, kind of hidden or little known gems that have come out uh, through LMV from around the world. I think like Clarin is, is the really big current example of something that so few people um, outside of Haiti knew about, and now they're getting the chance to experience it. I, I'm curious because in your role, I, I imagine you're getting to see a lot of this stuff right before it comes out to the broader marketplace. Are you ever wondering about how it will be received, or have you ever been surprised at how the market reacts to, to stuff like that when they get to experience it for the first time? I mean, I think that... You know, I, I also get to experience it for the first right. time, um, maybe a little bit before the market, but it doesn't really surprise me because I I go through those emotions too when I see the bottles and hear the stories and taste the liquid. Like what you said before, it would be it would be much easier to be um, you know, a company that kind of cares about marketing or um, making up a story to sell the brand. Like, I think that the bottles feel so natural because it's not really marketing. It's just telling the actual um, situation, the producers and the traditions and the liquid. So when you don't have to make something up because the story is already that good, then it feels very natural. So I, I don't really get surprised because I also go through that sort of experience of discovery with every bottle that gets put in my hand, which I really, really love. I agree. I think the authenticity really does speak volumes. As Will already said, and I'll echo the same thing, that's one of the things that drew me in immediately. Kate, you mentioned uh, you graduated with degrees in anthropology and archaeology. I work for a university, and education is a big uh, thing for me and is important to me. And I also heard that you you had some connection with geology and geography as well. Do you find that the intersection of those academic fields, now what you're doing with RUM, and uh, you get to use a little bit of that in what you do? And, and if so, House. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Um, so I went to um, <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated from the University of Denver um, with a degree in anthropology and geography with specialty in archaeology and geology because I wanted yeah I wanted a background in people and places um I love to travel and I wanted to figure out how to get paid to travel which check (laughs) (laughs) good plan plan. (laughs) yeah you know I started um working in a bar in Denver on the weekends just to sort of have a bit of a diverse social life and when I moved to Seattle, I started, um, I continued working in restaurants and bars, um, which I've kind of done on the side my whole life. And falling into rum, I really 
got to kind of scratch that that itch of learning about the people and the places and the cultures and the history of the yeah. Caribbean, um, which can be really, really brutal and really, really beautiful. But it's not it's not the spirit of rum. It's the history of humanity, right? So a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, rum is this or that. And I'm like, no, people are this and that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the spirit, it's humanity. Um, so I really love the sort of cross sections. I love that rum sort of gets to be a sight glass into um, the history of this sort of time period, the history of you know this going forward, of these islands, of these traditions. And rum is produced everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping that the travel restrictions will lift a little bit and I can maybe go pop over to Reunion or um, Mauritius or up to see Mahoba or get to explore um, the African rum scene a little bit because there's so much sugar cane here. So I'm sure there's all sorts of incredible stuff, you know. People are really, really good at making love, making war, and making booze. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe not in that order. (laughs) But yeah, I I really love those crossovers. I love those points of connection between, you know, the spirit, the local spirit, um, the raw material that's uh, used, the way that they produce it, what that says about their culture, their traditions, and that we get to enjoy it. Um, And also how they drink it, right? If it's out of a plastic bottle or if it's in a tea punch or if it's in a a punch with lime and bitters and why and where, like it's really yeah. the story of us. Or is it part of rituals or traditions that, you know, with the people in some way, all of that. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much to unpack. It's really, really exciting. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, the current situation does have us uh, dampened a little bit in terms of, as you mentioned, the, the, the restrictions on travel and other things. But I'm hoping that you might have uh, something you might be able to tell us that you're excited about right now with La Maison and Valier that that they're doing or coming up with or might be, you know, around the corner, something like that. Is there anything you're excited about uh, that's coming? Never a dull moment. Um, yeah, <laughs> things are things are a little bit delayed, obviously, um, but everything is kind of still um, in the works, if not a little bit slower. So I'm sort of at the end of the last ranges from the market and so excited about all of the new ranges. So from uh, Claren, we have uh, Claren Casimir coming back into the market. Um, it should be bottled and ready to go pretty soon. So it's just a matter of how and when it can uh, get on a shipment. Um, and with that comes some Claren uh, Ancienne, which is the aged bottlings, yeah. which are all really cool single casts. I saw the picture um, of this online. It looks super cool. Yeah, we just had three that launched in the market um, that some of our friends that came down to Haiti with us last year um, picked when they were in Haiti. So those just hit the market Um there's two in New York and one in California. Um, they're super cool. Luca was kind enough to let me pick a couple. Um, oh, nice. So there's some Cape Perry editions coming, which are really, really cool. Um, 
of course, I, you know, went big uh, and picked a couple of sherry casks. So there's nice. three. There's a Sajus of Aval and a Casimir coming all age and Oloroso cask, which are about yeah. 600-ish bottles uh, per. So a bit of a bigger allotment. So hopefully there'll be some more to go around. And you mentioned before you got into Rome, you were into sherry. So that's kind of the perfect cross yeah, section for you. Right? <laughs> totally. You put your name on I it. There you go. I still love sherry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We have um, the new range of Habitatium Velier coming, which is super exciting. Um, I heard you guys, or I listened to your interview with Maggie Campbell a couple weeks ago, yeah. months ago. What a time. Um, but we'll have a privateer, unaged and aged, under Habitatium Velier, yeah. along with, um, I, I love that it's like the statement of, you know, these just super classic old distilleries, you know, Worthy Park, Hamden Estate, Privateer. I know. Like, it's such a cool statement of just like, you know, Maggie's stuff belongs at the table and it absolutely stands up. Yeah, really, so, really special Rome. for them. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie and I just like cry in tears about how cool it is. It's cool. Yeah, so those are really cool. And then I'm super excited for Luca's uh, new distillery in Haiti, Distillery de Port-au-Prince. The packaging on Providence Rum is so great. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. So that should be hopefully arriving this summer, so probably this fall or winter. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but it's going to be it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm it's, I'm really yeah. excited to hear about that. I, I that's this is the first that I'd, I'd heard of that coming, so that's really cool. And Hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> breaking breaking news. Um, yeah. on, on the note of privateer, by the way, I, I know I also heard from Maggie that you actually distilled a rum personally there. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. What, what was that experience like? <laughs> so I, um, so Maggie invited me to come up and stay for a couple days. I asked our um, new spirits manager for our new Massachusetts distributor, which will be coming to Massachusetts. I feel so bad. It's so in delay, but they were literally going to place an order the week that all of this COVID happened. So it's in delay more. Sorry, Massachusetts, but it's coming, I promise. But I asked their uh, spirits manager if he wanted to pop up to privateer and he hadn't been in a couple years. So he was super happy to do so. So we drove up to Ipswich. Maggie gave us a beautiful tour. I like cried a lot when I saw the Habitatium Bellier uh, <laughs> boxes in her distillery. It was so cool. And then I stayed for a couple of days and she sort of um, mentioned a few times, like, if you want to do a shadow day, you can come distill. And um, I was like, okay, can we do that though? And it was so cool. She set, <laughs> she set me up with um, her husband, Pete. Um, he's such a good teacher. I It was amazing for me because I had um, done the W set uh, level three in spirits, which is pretty technical um, fermentation and distillation mm -hmm. and kind of how everything works. It's a week long course. It's really, really great. Um, I learned a whole lot. And then being at the distillery, like putting it into practice and being like, oh, you turn this knob and that happens mm. um, was super, super cool. And so we distilled a batch of unaged rum on both of their two stills and then Maggie um, just sort of walked up with a post-it note and stuck um, the post-it note on the, on the blending tank that said, when in rum. And I was like, what is this? And she was like, oh, we're bottling this for you. So <laughs> wow. I was like, so no, cool. shut up. She was like, we already submitted it to the TCB. It's happening. So it was like, 
quick turnaround. So there will be a, a distiller's drawer, one in rum, privateer, which is super wow. cute. That's... One in rum is my, my Instagram handle. Yes, yes. Um, it has a, yeah, it has an H in it on Instagram, but this was a molasses-based yeah. rum, so no H on the privateer. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and I would recommend anyone listening to, to, to follow you on Instagram because you're always posting super interesting, great uh, rum-related pictures. So nice. it's a great way to experience it vicariously. <laughs> um, I'm trying not to post too many pictures of how beautiful South Africa oh, is. Oh, too late, too late. <laughs> what else are you going to do right now? You might as well. I found some sugar cane here, though. Nice. So. <laughs> That's up there. That's awesome. So I have a question that you can totally feel free to say no to, because I know it kind, oh, yeah. I know it kind of it puts you on the spot a little bit. So you can say no, and we will scrub it from the records. No one will ever know it existed. But I saw the opportunity for this question and couldn't resist. So I, I was going back through a lot of your old interviews that you've done over the years, and there was one from like almost five years ago to the day, it was an interview with the Rum Lab and uh, Federico always asks people like what they think the rum industry will look like five years from then. So this, you, I was able to read your response about what it would look like five years from now, almost five years from when you gave it. So I was wondering <laughs> if we could read you what you wrote and then get your take, oh your take on how it aligns <laughs> with things are right now, five years later. Wow, I so I was actually his first interview. Oh, that was the first oh. one for the Rum Lab. Wow, that was the first one, and I it was you know just a small thing. Um, Fede is based in Seattle, so he was um, a customer. He was a guest. He would come in and uh, sit down and say, "Kate, pour me something I've never had." Um, <laughs> you know, pour me some lights. He'd bring his clients in, so I got to know him. And then he said, "You know, I'm launching this thing." Um, we're doing these interviews. Would you would you do an interview? And so yeah, please read it. I'm a little nervous. Okay. <laughs> no, and, and I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't bring it up from the sense of like, oh, you should really be embarrassed about your predictions or anything like that. But I just know. <laughs> I know it can like feel being put on the spot when someone takes something that like you wrote five years ago and be like, well, what do you no, think let's now? Hear it. <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. So here it is. Um, you wrote. I think we will experience a push towards the sipping rums. Even in the last two years, we've seen a push in this direction. We sell more neat rums off the shelf than ever before. I think we will see a lot of large production rum companies pushing their top shelf selections or creating new sipping rum skews, a la Bacardi's Facundo line. I think we might begin to see people starting to sip unaged rums like the agave movement is seeing now. So that was your response five years ago about what the rum industry would look like now, five years later. So what, how, how is your reaction hearing that now? How, how do you think it aligns with what you've seen? I feel like that's pretty on point. Yeah, I did too. I did too, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially like with launching things like uh, Claren and Hampton Estates Rum Fire Mm -hmm. and these, you know, the rum agricole movement, like um, Clement and JM have done such a good job um, kind of spreading the word of tea punch and drinking agricole. Like, I feel like more people are totally drinking unaged rum um, than you know, sipping it than ever before, which is super exciting. And I really think that there's a huge push and we've come a long way in the premium premiumization of, of aged rum to sip. I mean, 
I would argue that like good quality rum is good quality rum. And if you mix it or sip it, like your mixed drink is going to be based on the quality of the rum that you use. So what is sipping rum? But um, yeah, like, cool. I think you nailed it. (laughs) So then the question is, (laughs) the the question then is, and I don't know if I'm beating Will to this, but are are you maybe uh, willing to tell us what five years from now would look like here on the Rumcast? Oh, man. I mean, I hope that it's more of that same. I hope that people are drinking, you know, more more unaged rum that really shows the the quality of um, the raw material unobstructed by oak and aging. Things like Claren and Paranubes and, you know, there's cool stuff happening in Hawaii. Gragu from Cape Verde. There's, there's lots and lots of cool unaged cane spirits yeah. that are popping up. So I would love to continue to see that. And then, you know, the sort of understanding that, you know, rum comes from these real distilleries and to support the real distilleries that produce it. You know, I see so many um, kind of blends and bottles that are aged overseas and the value of that goes to the overseas aging. I would love to see, you know, whenever whenever people ask me like, hey, what rum should I drink? I always say, you know, drink distilleries, drink the thing that the distillery thought was iconic of their work that they want to show to the Mm -hmm. world. Start there and then kind of go off into the, the nerdy single casks and other bottlings. But I'd love to see people kind of focused on the traditions and the producers, you know, people, I see people care so much about like mezcal, right? Mm-hmm. People want to know all of the details of this person's life, like what they had for breakfast. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I feel like there's sort of a, a wash over of the rum world where it's like, oh, it's just like a blend, but that's normal. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to see people kind of caring about um, the lives of the people that produce the liquid, um, the traditions of the places that they come from, the raw material that they're using in the same way that they care about these things with other spirits. Well, we're, we're marking this date on the calendar and we will have you back exactly <laughs> five years from we'll now to revisit this. Five years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we'll see. I, I hope that um, five years from now I can walk into a store here in Tennessee and, and find all the latest uh, uh, LMV releases, no problem. That would that would really make uh, my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know any good distributors, uh, hook me up and maybe we can start the process of making that happen. Okay, yeah, I'm going to start doing my homework on that. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know I already just put you on the spot for that one question. <laughs> we do have one more optional segment we always like to offer to our guests. It's kind of a rapid fire style segment that that john does um i like to say i like to say that john brings a lot of dad energy to this segment (laughs) with some by some of the jokes that he works in here um which is why i let him handle it but if you're up for it i will turn that over to john to do now okay let's all right now it's my turn to put you on the spot okay (laughs) (laughs) all right so will you're gonna put uh one minute on the clock and uh, just keep in mind as will said this is a bit silly um but we, we try to get the short quick answers from you just to get through as many of these as we can and the one minute. All right, here we go. All right, neat or on the rocks? Neat. Column, pot, or blend? Pot. All right, your favorite rum mixed drink? Ooh, mixed drink. Does tea punch count? Yes. All right, do you, do you pronounce it Habitation Velier or is it Habitation Velier? Habitation Velier. All right, Indiana Jones or Lara Croft? Ooh, 
India. You didn't yeah. think that one was coming, did you? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones. All right. Yes. Okay. They're all great. But if you had to choose one, Claren, is it Vaval, Saju, uh, Rocher, or Casimir? Um, I'm a sucker for Vaval. All right. Your favorite person to share a bottle of rum with? Ooh, whoever I'm with. All right. Okay, be honest. How often do you get Katy Perry's fan mail? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I get I get references. Weekly. All right. As a rum badass yourself, how often do you get your own fan mail? Ooh, um, not that often. <laughs> we're we're gonna try to change that. We're gonna we're gonna get some more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you picture yourself. <laughs> When you picture yourself sipping rum on a beautiful beach, what country or city are you in? Jamaica. All right. And that's time. All right. Very nice. Perfect. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we know we know you have, uh, I believe you're doing another virtual, uh, so, some type of virtual meeting or, or tasting this this evening down in South Africa. So we will yeah, let you, uh, get I'm, on to that. Um, I'm virtually opening the Colorado market, which That's I'm, amazing. it's such like a, a kind of sweet thing because I really love Colorado. I have some friends there that I've been promising um, the portfolio to for so long. Um, but also, like, I went to college there. I haven't been back to Denver in so long, and I'm supposed right. to be there in person. Yeah. So it's also like, man. Um, oh. So I'm really excited to uh, virtually meet a bunch of people in the market, as well as um, our new distribution team with estate brands. Um, but also, I'm a little sad because I was really, really looking forward to yeah. seeing Colorado, seeing some mountains. The virtual but, homecoming, yeah. it will have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know making best of the the situation at hand um but yeah so um but thank you guys so much this has been so much fun all right thanks for joining us for another episode of the rumcast really hope that y'all enjoyed this interview with kate perry as much as we did if you did enjoy it we would love to hear your thoughts uh reviews feedback go to apple podcasts uh hit that five-star review if you're feeling so inclined let us know what you think and uh subscribe so you can get future episodes uh yeah any 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 uh feedback you have we'd love to hear it and you can also reach out to us via email at host at rumcast.com that's host h-o-s-t at rumcast.com that'll go to john and i any questions you have anything you think we should talk about anything you think we should shut up about uh let us know about (laughs) that we'd love to hear your feedback yeah tell us what you're up to and and uh what you're drinking and we we want to be plugged in here to to our community as well so let us know some of your thoughts and and what's going on in the world of rum that you want to hear more about and we will definitely make sure to get that onto the podcast all right awesome well until next time john i'll talk to you then oh man speaking speaking of 90s flashbacks uh i don't know if you've watched any of the michael jordan documentary yet but uh dude i haven't uh, i haven't i have them recorded so the the first two episodes i thought were good um yeah but the third and the fourth I was like, okay, this is awesome. So, and it's it's just making oh, me feel like it, it makes me miss the nineties. And now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh.